Rough Trade is giving away a third of the first three months of the Rough Trade Club plus new music membership exclusively to 101 Part-Time Jobs listeners. Become a member of Rough Trade Club New Music and you'll receive the Rough Trade Album of the Month straight to your door every month on an exclusive vinyl pressing with bonus material. Club members have received exclusive pressings of albums from Sufjan Stevens, Sprints, The Last Dinner Party, English Teacher and Over Mono, just to name a few, this past year alone. Sign up using the promo code CLUB101POD and you'll get Rough Trade's Album of the Month, Camera Obscura's Look to the East, Look to the West for a third of the usual price. By signing up, you'll be getting Rough Trade's exclusive issue of the album on opaque purple in a gatefold sleeve plus a bonus CD containing five demos. Don't want the album of the month but still want all the benefits? Sign up to the standard tier using Club 101 Pod and you'll still get the first month free. You'll also get free shipping on all orders, 10% off at the bar and on secondhand vinyl in store and exclusive access to sold out Rough Trade events. So don't hang around. Head to roughtrade.com slash club and sign up with the code CLUB101POD. That's CLUB101POD and claim money Money off Rough Trade's album of the month today. This offer is for UK residents only. Do you play in bands? I did for the longest time. And I wish that I knew that DistroKid was a thing. I don't even think it existed back then. DistroKid makes music distribution fun and easy with unlimited uploads and artists keep 100% of your royalties and earnings. A million plus artists rely on DistroKid to get their music on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, TikTok, Tidal, Instagram, and all the major streaming services. When you get DistroKid, you can see a DistroKid bank and withdraw your earnings. You get notified when you've earned royalties and you can withdraw via the app. And you can even check your streaming stats on Spotify Spotify and Apple. Get 30% off your first year on DistroKid by going to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. 30% off for your first year. That's not bad. We know it's a tough world out there. Why don't you make it easier for yourself? And to get 30% off that free year as an artist where you get 100% of your royalties and earnings, go to distrokid.com slash VIP slash 101pod. All right, stay with me. I'll be right back after this. Hi, and welcome to series two of 101 Part-Time Jobs, the podcast where I, Giles Bitter, speak to musicians, comedians, and artists of all trades about their part-time jobs before and maybe during what they do full-time. We didn't mean to have a gap between series one and series two, but life got in the way and there we were. Six months after series one, we're here with series two. Really excited to bring Frances from Hopalong on this first episode. Her lyrics have always been amazing and her style is pretty unique. So I was really excited about this one. I got a chance to speak to her before their show with the Decemberists here in London a few months ago. And they've just released their album, Bark Your Head Off Dog, last year on Saddle Creek, which is one of the albums of the year for me. She's got a few good stories about what she did before playing in the band and what she still does. So I hope you enjoy the episode and here we kick off season two. Don't forget to rate and subscribe and whatever you do to let more people know about this. Thanks for listening again. Now here's Francis from Hopalong on 101 Part-Time Jobs. 
Signature Brew is the official beer of 101 part-time jobs. I was a house painter from age, I'd say 15 or 14, up until like the last decade, on and off. Like that's when I learned. Yeah. Sort of apprenticing. Yeah. You know. So it was a kind of active decision. Oh, um, my mom was just like, "You got to get out there and work." Like, yeah. <laughs> it was good for me. Yeah. Um, it was my aunt's business, so it was almost all women. I mean, cool. it still is almost all women house yeah. painters. It's an active job. You know, most people are doing the paid round or. Yeah, like I said, it was really, I mean, I, it was good for me to do something kind of, you know, not too rigorous. I mean, it's not yeah. crazy the way that a lot of construction is. I mean, you know, like, I remember seeing, like, roofers scrambling around on the skeletons of houses and just thinking, God, I don't, I, I don't think I could, I, mean, I, I certainly couldn't do that. So that was your, that was your first job? Yeah, that was my first, and, and my only, you know, I would just do that in the summers. Uh, Were you at school? Yeah, I mean, I, I started, you know, uh, early high school late uh, late junior high I guess apprenticing good money um to me yeah my mom had me put it all in my savings which was good smart move yeah uh yeah I mean I didn't, you know until I had a car I wasn't really I mean I'd go to the mall and buy garbage but <laughs> so is this um is this in Philly is this, near, is this a suburb or this is like an, an hour ish northwest of philly kind of like what we'd refer to as the rural suburbs yeah yeah, yeah sure what was it called what's the town or village the town that i'm originally from well i mean i'm originally from new jersey i guess but uh, the town we moved to later it was it's called perkyomenville <laughs> has something to do with cranberries or something no it's great yeah. man. the thing that strikes me about painting houses perhaps is the fact you i mean like writing a song you are creating something that lasts forever i mean I, I don't know, maybe sort of. Maybe it's a bit out there, but you know that that brush is you know that brush of paint that that first layer of paint that you've done is is going to last forever. That's going to be somebody's home. You know, it's funny. Some of the places we worked, you know, painted were like million dollar homes, homes that I'm sure I'll never live in. You know, where they have a, a, a ceramic shower for the dog, really nice places. Uh, you know, little home theaters and things like that, and these enormous homes for like two people maybe and uh that was interesting and you know you'd be painting a room uh actual colors which was always exciting like we'd, we'd fight I remember my cousin and I kind of like doing a quick toss-up or well, I mean she had seniority over me so she got to paint that one room eggplant I was very excited about that <laughs> color but, but she got that room yeah. generally though and since I only work in the summers my the jobs I usually got were um painting the dorms at the one particular college okay. and it was a college that had a big you know football so we would sometimes paint them you know we, we painted the dorms every summer okay. um, and they were you know the football dorms yeah. so they were just disgusting one room I remember well one room you know it was July so they'd been the, the students had been out for a couple months and there was this carpet you know in some of these rooms and it was very hot you know it would be in the 90s in, in Fahrenheit and some days on some days and uh, just no AC in these buildings in these old uh, dorm rooms and one room there was you know this like purple gray carpeting and on that carpet was just this pool of still wet vomit and I thought like, when did that happen and it, 
it's it should be dry by now, but maybe it, I guess it's been pretty hot. Oh god, that was and in another room, uh, somebody had taken you know a light fixture like one of those um, clouded uh, bowl light fixtures. They'd unscrewed it, taken it down, um, peed in it, and then screwed it back in. How do you do that? Uh, With skill. I mean, I I, I, I guess I wonder if they got a shock. <laughs> yeah. I mean, maybe they. Left, I guess the light was off. Wow. I would, I would hope. That's that's a, that's not a very nice prank. Um. Yeah, it's was, it was pretty disgusting. Yeah. Rich football kids, man. They got nothing else to do but piss in light fixtures. <laughs> So yeah, and that was tough because I, you know, painting these rooms white every single summer and knowing that they were going to be utterly trashed was sort of a strange. Because um, I'm not really a speedy person by any means. I, I there's I can't really think of anything that I do very quickly. And with house painting, I, I you know I, I I was sort of problematic in that I would be very precious in times where expedience is is yeah. more important. Did that come from like an OCD-ish place? Or? Probably, I'm sure some of that. I've yeah. got a little of that going on. Yeah. But you know, in the beautiful, uh, in the in the um, million dollar homes that had like all this lattice work and um, finer thing, you know, I love doing that kind of work. And I love when you're house painting. I find that uh, my mind can wander in ways that it doesn't normally because I'm doing something that's so physically absorbing that that I know so well. Uh, that I think differently. and I'm, It's almost meditative. It's yeah. Painted shut? Anything to do with it? Oh! Um, I mean, I, I liked... Yeah, I mean, I was thinking about... You know, there, there were some old places that we painted where, you know, they painted the windows so many times that it just was, yeah, painted shut. I was just thinking of that. It's just something that um, is supposed to be able to open, be yeah. sealed. Cool. I never. I didn't think of it like that. That's that's very cool. That's a little more literal. Yeah, they yeah, think yeah. Of it any way they like. Well, absolutely. Once it's out there, it's, it's not. It's someone it's, else's. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Did you um? Have you got any sort funny stories from the sort of uh, the, the people at these big houses? Did you meet any of them? Um. God, I wish I could remember. There was one lady just walking around her house, like just. Can I swear? Yeah. Of course. I'll check. Uh, she was just walking around the house, like talking shit on these like other kids in her kids' school, and you know, walking around with a glass of wine, just with nothing to do. I mean, that's the thing. Like, you can make so much money that there's just nothing to do but like go play tennis and talk shit. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I'm 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 certainly generalizing. No, I mean, um, I've, I've, I've met people like that. <laughs> I mean, I, I there's it's it's funny what people will spend their money on. But who knows, you know, if I had a lot of it, God knows what I would do, so. Yeah. yeah. What, what would you do? I know you just said you wouldn't, you don't know, but what, what, what's one thing? I'd like to think that I'd travel and I'd take my parents out more. Nice. You know, I'd like to think that that I would met your mom once. Oh, goodness. At a show in Philly. Oh, great. She was funny. She's She loves the young people. Loves <laughs> chatting it up. With she me. was chatting. Yeah. She was funny. So you were a dog walker as well. Is that right? I was, yes. I, um... That was for a summer... How long was that? It was not very long. I did not last in that job. My boss was younger than me. It was her business. I was. I guess I was 23. She was like 21. And um, she, she had taken these dogs on that uh, must have been rejected from other dog walking agencies. Because a lot of them... Some of them were wonderful. I mean, there was a pair of Burmese mountain dogs that were huge. I wish I could remember their names. Very regal looking, and I loved walking them. 
Rose and something. Oh, anyway, it doesn't matter. But there were other dogs that I would walk that were just maniacs, you know, dogs that were crated up all day by uh, their owners who were often students and just gone all the time. And So I'd get these anxious, crazed dogs. Not being a, a trained in, in training dogs, like not having received an education in dog mm. training. So I would find myself in these, situ- in these moments of crisis and just having no idea what to do and being fortunate enough that a passerby would help me out with a crazed dog. It just, <laughs> and she would, you know, she would go off and pay me, like she owed me money by the end. I, just, I didn't care anymore. I just quit. Like, oh, that's I left the, worst. the keys on her desk and just like goodbye. <laughs> yeah, there's nothing yeah. worse than chasing people up for money. She was the worst boss I've ever had, but she did open a door for me that was very, very important in that she got me into running. Um, she actually got me a pair of running shoes, which was cool. Oh, cool. Great. Uh, and we would go running together. So that was that was neat. And I actually ran a marathon like oh, the sorry. following year. I got super into it. I don't think I'll ever do it again. But That's another sort of headspace-inducing thing. Yeah. I mean, I never was an active, aside from house painting, which I remember really was not an active person growing up and realizing around age 23 that I could run and... Uh, that it could be meditative and therapeutic and enjoyable uh, was really a, a game changer for me. When did those kinds of feelings fit in with lyric writing? I mean, when did you start writing lyrics, knowingly or not, you know, whether they're poems or not? How old were you? I, it's hard to say when it's starting. I mean, it's so fluid. I, you know, I, I keep journals. I, I I do try to write. For a while, I've... I, wanted to make sure I wrote every single day. I, I'm a little more lax with myself now because um, there's so much crap in, yeah. the, in journals. I, I don't know that I need to write down who I'm meeting that day or where, you know. Where. Sure. Um, but it is a good exercise. It, it helps make me feel as though I'm somewhere and that I'll be able to remember. I have such a terrible memory, so writing is often for that as well, just to hang on to some of my experiences. So I keep journals, and uh, there will be times, you know, like I'll try to make a trip to the library and just sit and immerse myself in, in something, because I, I certainly don't want to constantly write about myself, and journals are usually full of myself. How do you find that with songwriting? And do you ever, you know, write a song when you're like, oh, fuck, that's just, you know, I'm just talking about I, every sentence starts with I. Do you ever have that? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I've, I, I certainly, I'm, I try to be conscious of overuse of certain words. Uh, I is definitely one of them. Um, kind of want to just eradicate it completely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, at least, you know, you want it to have gravity. Whatever, you know, a song is, I mean, I initially wanted to be a, a, a short story writer, um, mainly because I, I, a book just seemed impossible to me. Uh, yeah, I wanted to be a short story author, and uh, and I took some courses, uh, you know, high school and college for creative writing. But uh, a song, you know, you have such a limited space. I mean, unless you want to write, you know, like uh, something like Dylan, like Dylan esque song, um, you have you have this limited space to say as much as you can or as much as you feel you need to. So that's always been my greatest challenge: is editing in a way that. Because I've had to, you know, take out lines that I've absolutely been like, in love with, you know, and and, mm-hmm. and actually there was one line that I kind of dragged into uh, "Bark Your Head Off" because I, you know, I I liked it so much, and that's the wait, title, wait, wait, "Bark Your Head Off, Dog." Oh, cool. That's an old line. I mean, it's it's a tiny, tiny line. About walking down the street, seeing a dog that scares the crap out of you. Well, no, actually, it's it, the song initially. 
and I guess I can say it now because I'm probably not going to write it, but a song, the song initially was about someone coming home and their parents' dog barking, uh, and that person just not being sorry for it. Like, go ahead, go ahead off. But uh, I changed it. I took the line and applied it to a, a neighbor's dog. Uh, I mean, that's the thing. You, you know, a song, it, it's, it's also been a challenge for me to remember that uh, no one can see into my head. <laughs> yeah. And a song can be whatever I want it to be. Whatever form it ends up as will be, I guess, accepted. Do you mean that in the way that maybe yeah, before, you know, before you sort of came to this realization, you'd think that, oh, you know, I'm just completely see-through and you feel too vulnerable? Well, I guess, you know, in, in the way that I, I, I feel like there are rules that exist sometimes that, that really don't. I mean, rules that, you know, a song has to be about this and say this. And then I'll be halfway and I'm like... I just can't say that. I, I'm not ready. You know, there's been songs that I haven't been ready to write. Hmm. And so the song will just become something else. Yeah. And I have to let it and, and have that be. Yeah. Like if it's about something very simple and even embarrassing, I, I just have to let it be that. You let it, it change it what it changes itself into. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I, some people get annoyed when people say, like, oh, I just let the characters take the story over. Yeah. You know, I, I think yeah. there's some others that are like, that's bullshit, you know? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm writing the story, you know, yeah. to, to give up power like that. But I do think there is a point at which I have to let some of myself go or at least step aside um, in order for a story to um, materialize a little more clearly. Although I guess on this last record, none of the stories are particularly clear, but I wanted to... I, I let that... Be what yeah. it was. Did you find working working these part time jobs, working these uh, jobs in your early twenties, were you writing lyrics and sort of you know hearing melodies in your head at work? Here and there, sure. I mean, I remember a lot of um, from our record "Get to Sewn." There's a song called "Sally 2 and half of that song came out while I was waiting to get picked up from the train. I remember I was writing in my journal, and just I happened to it just was hitting me at that point in time. Yeah. And it's sort of it's sort of a nuisance, you know, like you want it to hit you when you're sitting down in the coffee shop and you're nice and relaxed with your drink and ready to go, but sometimes they hit you and it's like, I'm trying to go to sleep. Why is it sitting here? But yeah, you gotta write it down yeah. otherwise. The I mean I've made too many mistakes of just not writing anything, like, well that's gone forever. Absolutely. It comes back. And what do you write it down on? Your your phone notes? Um, I, I sometimes I'll text myself something, but that doesn't seem to work as well. I I, I keep there's been times where I've kept a pad by the bed. I'll have my journal. I mean, I, I do. A, I, I have a journal that I write next to everything in. And sometimes I think when I'm carrying my bag down the street and I have my journal, I, I think like, God, you have a year's worth of ideas in here. You should value this more. <laughs> what if your bag gets jacked? <laughs> yeah, that's. I have to bring it with me. I gotta take it around. Yeah, yeah. Was there a real shift of your time ultimately between finding, you know, trying to find these? part-time jobs I had to quit I mean I worked as a dishwasher and then and, and then on the cold line at a restaurant I had one like in the I worked at two restaurants and one was in the in the kitchen and I had to quit that job because we had just finished um god that was get disowned I had to, and, and we certainly weren't making a living um I just had to quit because I was going to leave for a month and that just wasn't acceptable yeah so I quit that job. I mean that I'm used was, to quitting jobs yeah you got good at it <laughs> Yeah, I'm great at it. Um, and at least certainly weren't making it. Anyway, but I, I came back from that and immediately started the dog walking job. And I was still house painting too. Like oh, lots of odd jobs. Yeah, that's another thing too. You just have to be able to be all right with going to different. You know, having totally hanging out with work. hanging out with new people, meeting new people. Yeah, I mean, well, I mean, I you know, 
the house painting job was great for me. Excellent for, again, for character building. And it's a skill that I, I really value. I mean, I paint my own, you know, I paint my own downstairs a couple years back. So I'm glad I know how to do this. You know, yes, it looks great. Yeah. Um, and I really, I'm grateful to my aunt for hiring me. I mean, you know, yeah. I could have been working at the mall, which I'm, I'm sure would have been tough. <laughs> what was the job that Joe said you kind of still got? Oh, yeah, uh, and that is, like, you know, another favorite job of mine. I, I host at uh, Johnny Brenda's. Oh, cool. You and, say host. I seat people and help okay. bus tables and nice. um, sometimes food run, but mostly just like, cleaning up and seating people. And, yeah. Um, nice place. It's a great place. The staff is absolutely wonderful, and most of them are artists or musicians or mm. formerly those things. Mm. And, uh, yeah, I... I you know, they have really fun holiday parties. <laughs> yeah, great. I mean, I think this is one of the kind of things that made me, made me start this podcast is the fact that so many of my friends and, you know, you guys included and if, if you if you are sort of feel like you're, you know, you, the thing you do best and the thing you love most is writing songs is that you can't physically have the job that your friends from school have. Oh, yeah, you can't, you can't really move up the ladder anywhere mm. and you'll find, you know, you'll find friends of yours getting raises and, and, um, more respectable positions and maybe you're still doing the door somewhere doing you know but the nice thing about um, Johnny Brenda's is it is you know everyone has a respect for everyone no matter what their position in the restaurant I think I mean, it's, it's kind of rare that you find that I, I feel like it it's is. so ingrained in the culture of so many businesses whether it be a, you know, a bar a pub or, or whether it be an office and, and, the, and the restaurant business is generally very competitive I mean, totally. a lot of people trying to move up the ladder there's this, this, this bureaucratic you know, hierarchy thing going on yeah I, I really appreciate that that is not the case there mm. but I think you know you just have to be creative with your time which is something I'm certainly still adjusting to I've been working all day for me mate on the side It's happening daily. We're being conned by the institutions we used to trust. The mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing American families. Time is short before something big happens, and that's why so many folks are preparing. They're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from My Patriot Supply. Go to MyPatriotSupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family. Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com